best receiver in the game, or even top three, DK Metcalf? <laughs> Devontae Adams. But is DK Metcalf top three? 100%. You're – no, he's not. I'm sorry. There's nobody in this world that can convince me of that. Physical specimen, absolutely. You're going to believe what you believe. I mean, teach your own, but it's, it's at the same time, it's my mind, you know, how I'm going to use DK. But that's – so that's that sets – my argument up perfectly. If DK Metcalf was in 80% of the other offensive systems in the league, he's 75% as effective as he is in Seattle. How is that true? Because he doesn't have a tool belt. He can do two things. But that's, that's totally just your opinion. I mean, no, it's you know, not. You know him? I know. I've seen his tape. For me, what's frustrating is when people try to talk about all the stuff that they actually don't know. Like we, we have no clue what goes on behind the scenes. Right. But I'm so, just talking I mean, about what I've seen on film, on tape, what physically what DK Metcalf can do. It's a limited repertoire. Very, very, very limited. That's and, so. And, and to me, think, if you can't be, you can't be limited and be yeah. top three. Can't. Sure. I mean, to each your own. Um, I mean, I think you could you could talk about roster stuff all day long. At the end of the day, it's like. I would think he. I think for sure he's top three, hundred percent. Now, in what regard? Cheated, Devonte. Just, just in just in general, or um, as as an outside receiver, as as what? We only get five because everybody's carrying three tight ends now, so you can only have five. So you better be able to do both. Yeah. Or you're wasting a roster spot, in my opinion. Yeah. But I think it's very easy to name. I think in two years, CD Lamb will be way past. I would hope so. I mean, just way past DK for the Cowboys. I would hope so. Right, but I, I just so. watching a guy like that. Yeah, physical freak. Everybody knows it. He's big, strong, fast. How much does he weigh? I think it's like two thirty eight, two thirty five. I think it's like a really stupid number. DK. Oh, I think I'm a CD Lamb. Oh no, I think it's half of that. <laughs> yeah, no, but when I think when you look at it long term. Yeah. I think DK Metcalf wows people with the physical numbers the things he did the combine but i think at the end of the day he's limited and russell wilson does a really good job in the control that he has he had in that offense if he stays or goes whatever but he did a really good job of highlighting those few things that he did really really well but i think from a sustainability standpoint or a diversity standpoint that's what makes you a top three guy in the league is your ability to do a multitude of things Mm -hmm. and i think that there's eight guys in front of him that can do more now maybe with less physically yep they're not going to run down patrick peterson and turn into a meme but you know they're going to be able to do four five six different things within the system themselves stefan diggs made a really strong argument for himself no doubt no doubt i agree but with all that being said welcome home man thanks man appreciate it glad you're back thanks so long long almost two years yeah Almost two years. Yeah. Actually, no. Yeah, two years. It's over two years. Yeah. Yeah, February 6th. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was uh, the day after the Super Bowl left. So, two years in Tennessee, yep. and correct me if I'm wrong, but the game, the, the game of high school football in Tennessee is going to be comparable to most states within the United States. Your outliers being Texas, probably California, maybe Ohio, but for the, it's going to fall into that kind of good majority. Yep. 
So two years up there, compare the games. I think it's people have asked that before. It's so hard to compare because it's it's split in Tennessee. I mean, you know, it's private public. It's almost fifty fifty down the middle. Um, I mean, after three years ago, private was playing with public in the same league. I mean, they just switched that. Um, so it's just it's different. I, I would say the biggest difference um, is just the consistency across the board. I mean, so you're going to have a, an incredible private school, Brentwood Academy, right? They're the the IMG of Tennessee, um, and then you're going to have you know the private school that I mean, they can barely win one game. You know what I mean? And and they have one player that maybe is he belongs to be there. You know what I mean? Um, and they're right down the road. And then you're going to have a public school, Ravenwood, that's great. And you're going to have one right next door that, I mean, academically, they might be shut down in a week. So there's a lot of different dynamics to where it's, it's, a, lot of, um, it's a lot of this, you know, and to where as you look at Texas, I mean, sure, there's schools to where uh, they struggle. Um, but it's pretty consistent across the board. There's going to be great teams every single week. I think that's one thing that, you know, you and I both know that there are the blue bloods of Texas. When it comes to Texas high school football, there's yep. those schools that everybody knows. They're a name brand, the Katie's, the South Lakes, the Alitos, the Allens. You know, sometimes, you know, we still try and hold on to that here at Salina. But, um, but I think what's interesting is that all it takes for any school to go from that lower tier to a competitive middle tier is the right hire at the right time. I yep. think from a public school standpoint, the structure foundationally, the opportunity to be good is available to everybody. And I don't think that that's the case at most states when you look at tech, when you look at high school football. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that hundred percent. I mean, it's, um, I was talking to a coach today just about the academics and the difference there. Um, you know, a lot of the schools and coaches in Tennessee would ask, you know, what's, how is it academically? How are you guys public school, but you have such great academics? I'm like, that's just the standard that's set. I mean, like, if, if you suck at, as a school, TEA is going to come in if you're not meeting the standards and probably fire everybody, <laughs> bring in their own teachers, and they're teaching the rest of the year. And so that's kind of the standard in Texas to where, you know, I mean, they have their standard in Tennessee, but it's just different. I mean, whether it's the, the funds, um, the expectations, I'm not sure, but it's, it's a huge difference from a private to a public school um, especially in the inner city, what they call Metro. And it's like, kind of feel bad for them. You know what I mean? Because they're an incredible team the first five games of the year. You know what I mean? And, and then you just see a huge drop-off. And it's, uh, it's just sad to see. At the same time, there's so many diamonds in the rough in Tennessee. I will say that. Um, there's a lot of incredible players that don't get looked at. Uh, I'm not sure what the issue is. It's probably Texas, Florida, California. Um, that's always kind of your top three. But... There's definitely some diamonds in the rough that are, that are great there. But now when it comes to Texas football, I think there's something to say about um, the public schools and being able to grow up and play with, uh, you know, you're, you're a senior in high school and you, and you played with the same kids since Pee Wee. I think that's special. You know what I mean? I mean, not to knock on private schools because I had an incredible experience and you know, you're going to recruit, everybody recruits. You have to, you're going to get beat, um, you know, adapt or die. But at the same time, I think it's special when you can, you know, and I get it, people do move in sometimes, totally get it. Uh, but I think it's special when you can have this team that for the most part, they've all played together forever and they won state. I think that's, I think that's very special. For sure. Uh, I had an old teammate, I heard something really similar talking about diamonds in the rough. Um, he spent a year coaching in Louisiana. Um, and 
he flat out said that there were power five guys walking the halls that they didn't even come to practice. Right. And those guys just fall through the cracks. So, um, you know, there's always that, like the, the long living debate between, you know, Texas, Florida, California, as far as who's churning out the best, whatever, the best quarterbacks, the most division one kids, you know, Max Preps, I think it was, just put out a thing um, Georgia, comparing too. Georgia, right? Yeah. Comparing who had the most five stars, you know, for the next senior class, um, and I think that, you know, speaking solely from the experience I do have, I think one of the best things about that is that the state does a really good job of maximizing opportunities for kids to fulfill potential. So Absolutely. you don't have near as many kids that do fall through the crack or go unseen or any now. Obviously, there's always going to be those guys that just don't get noticed or don't get picked up within their high school program. And they're, you know, you have those what if conversations. But I think for the most part, you can say that there's long term success in finding kids, giving them opportunities to be successful, prove what they're capable of. So they do have opportunities at the next level if they so choose, much more so than probably the majority of, of high school football across the country. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I'd, I think that brings up the, the topic from a college perspective. Of, and I've heard this a lot, a college coach saying, well, you know, the issue sometimes with a Texas kid and recruiting him and bringing him in is maybe he's already tapped out. You know, he's had the great coaches. You know, he's, he's been to all the meetings. He's had all the development. Um, so how much more can he, how much better can he get versus, you know, a kid that maybe they didn't have any meetings at all in their school. Uh, maybe he barely went to practice and he's just a freak and he, you know, he balled out wherever in Rhode Island. I don't know. Right. right. And, uh, you know, they, they get him and it's like, well, man, his, you know, his ceiling is way up here, which, I mean, I can see that at the same time. Like, you know, it's, for me, it's one of those things where it's, the kid's good, take the kid. You know what I mean? But exactly. The the day, yeah. It's like, why fault us, you know, in Texas or, you know, California, whatever, for having the good development and faulting the kid for that. So it's, that's a huge topic in the last couple of years. I think you and I can, can both agree that, you know, speaking from firsthand experience, that the other side of that is, you know, smaller schools struggle with maintaining Texas kids that get recruited because if you did play at an Allen or an Alito, and you spent your high school career in the best facilities in the state, and then you go to a Division two school or a small up-and-coming 1AA, yeah. and you're used to 120-person team meeting room, you're used to a weight room that's got 32 racks in it, you're used to all these things, and then you go to college and you're, you're telling yourself, this is nowhere near what I'm used to. Yep. I think kids can really struggle with that and it can deter guys from recruiting here. Yep. You know, I just talked to a guy who's, who's got some friends in a, uh, at a program that's making the transition from division two. They're in their probationary moving up into the WAC and the, the joining the WAC is presenting an opportunity for them to recruit into Texas a little bit more. But those were kind of the two things that they talked about, you know, simply money, getting down here from where their school's located. And then the, you know, the retention from year one to year two, because guys can get burnout, not having, you know, all the bells and whistles. Because, you know, we try and talk to kids about like, it doesn't matter, just get better. 
all this, that, and the other. But at the same time, those same coaches who were telling you that are going out there fighting tooth and nail yeah. to to get what they can from the community to present them with the best training facilities, the best meeting rooms, and all of that. So it's a double-edged sword. Um, and there are situations where it can get backfire on a kid as he moves on to the next level, depending on what level that is. Yeah, how are you recruiting from Sol Ross? I mean, I'm just... It's yeah, you can go to tough. Walmart an hour and a half. Yeah, know, exactly. Whatever. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, for us, I got to Alton. I mean, obviously they've upgraded, but uh, for us to have this set up um, was in the nursing building. Our team room was nursing building, so it's you know you you go there and it's like you know here here is a uh, you know here's our our team room. You know we we walk across the street to the nursing building at night, make sure there's no students in there, you know, doing extra work, and then we can meet in there. Yeah. Study hall. You don't have this. Study hall be in the nursing room, same building across the hall. Yeah. yeah. You know, make sure you bring your ID so you can swipe in. Yeah. I mean, I actually know. had a coach um, this past year, came in to recruit. Um, can't remember where from, maybe in the, the Pioneer League or something like that. But anyway, he came in and I go meet him in the, in the parking lot. I walk him through the indoor. He sees like George Kittle and all those guys working out. So he's already kind of like, what's going on? And then we walk, you know, across the, the Mustang walk through the new weight room. Uh, it's incredible. Um, through the locker rooms that are like wood grain. And he stops halfway through and he's like, Coach, we need you guys to sit down. Uh, ain't nobody coming to, <laughs> yeah, to where yeah, we're these at. These kids right ain't now. coming to us. Like, coach, are you sure? We, we can take a seat and just talk. And coach, all good. Don't worry about it. I'll just t- lead me out and I'll, I'll go home. <laughs> okay. It, I mean, I- it, you don't want to laugh at those situations, but they yeah. exist. It's like I was telling you earlier, you know, the MJP guys have started training here. Yep. Um, we've got a couple other athletes, professional athletes that spend some of their off-season time here working. Yeah. Um, and it has nothing to do – some of them, they're not even football players, but they're, they're simple presence. Yeah. You know, it's it reaffirms or it raises the standard. And that's yeah. the big thing for us is that, you know – one thing that our guys hear me say at ad nauseum is, you know, the standard is the standard. So when they see guys at the peak of the ga- their game professionally, you know, guys that are getting paid to do what, you know, these high school kids say they want to do, coming here in the offseason to train, you know, the appreciation, the valuation of the facility itself. We got a senior in high school, um, one of the catchers on the baseball team, uh, you know, all spring training report, was within the past couple of weeks, but he had a professional pitcher in here, uh, you know, two, three times a week that he's catching bullpens for, you know, yeah. and that's not even to say like this kid's going to be a power five kid, but yeah. he's getting to catch a major league pitcher, yeah. you know, before yeah. he goes to his high school baseball practice. You know, those are just kind of the experiences that can reaffirm a kid's love for the game or his commitment to it, his yeah. drive to go to the next level. Um, and they're really cool experiences and to bring it full circle, it's all connected to, the facilities, 100%. you know, 100%. so you're, you're walking that fine line, that double-edged sword of, we want to present our kids with an opportunity to have the best of the best and, and train them like champions. But at the same time, you have to still remind them that this isn't why you do it. This is yeah. just a part of it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's same thing in, you know, Lipscomb. I mean, it's Lipscomb didn't have the best rap before, you know, from, from a football standpoint, I mean, they were great. Um, you know, for a long time there were Coach McAdams, and, and I went through a, in a dry spell, which everybody does. But uh, when they kind of transitioned from you know uh, public to private, and anyway, I remember walking in there and Dante Hightower, George Kittle, Corey Davis, um, Sonny Gray, and one of our trainers, Jeremy Holt. You know, he's training all of them, and I'm like, hold on. 
So if, if I go to this school, if I'm a kid and I go to the school, I can just, you know, 2.30 every single day, I can potentially walk through and, you know, ask George Kittle, hey, whenever you slam flat here, what's the best technique, you know, doing this and that? Or you get a seven technique, how do you do this? Like, for free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's branding, that's, you know, that's recruiting, and, yeah, it's, it's an incredible experience. But, yeah, it speaks to the facilities. Yeah, just to piggyback off of that, the guys were in there training today, um, and a couple of our, our younger running backs, they're both sophomores, um, you know, they saw the, they kind of broke up, MJP guys did, and, and they took the running backs down and were doing some some angle routes and things like that, shoot releases and whatnot. And, you know, here's these two 15, maybe 16-year-old kids just 10 yards away, soaking it in, shooting videos, being able to, hey, what do you think he's trying to do here? And, you know, it's a unique experience that, you know, I know a lot of schools don't get and, you know, we never want to seem unappreciative of the fact that, you know, we have the facilities that professional athletes say, hey, that's good enough. Let's go train there. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. but talking about more our level, state seven on seven, uh, the state of Texas has a separate entity that does um, a seven on seven state tournament. The high schools can host the qualifying tournaments. Um, it's made up of the high schools, but the coaches don't coach them directly. Um, but anyway, State 7-on-7 seven seven just said green the coach, light. The coaches don't coach them directly. Right, directly at all. Um, we're just there to watch and observe. So we're under 10, not saying a word. We're not having, you know, relayed messages, nothing. At all, at all. Um, but 7-on-7 seven seven just came out and said green light. You know, we're going to put some, some protocols in place, but – they released the dates of their qualifying tournaments. They released the date of the state tournament. Um, and it's it'll start mid-May uh, in the state tournaments at the end of June. What do you think? Seven on seven. First off, big question for you, because I think this is something that can get kind of lost in the shuffle. Seven on seven, beneficial, yes or no? Uh, I mean, I think that's a uh, convoluted question there. 100%. I did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I mean – Yes and no. I mean, it's, you know, it depends. I mean, it's, um, I've seen some wing T teams that, you know, they practice their passing game and seven on seven doing that. That's good for them. You know, I mean, it's. And have success. Have success with the same thing over and over again. Makes me feel like I'm just doing too much. You <laughs> pop pass every single time and it work. Um, you know, but then you, you also see, you know, these teams where it's, you know, kind of draw in the dirt and, you know, quarterbacks are taking a, a three step drop and then, you know, they're basically taking a hitch, uh, 12 yards uh, linear in front of them, and they're, you know, throwing it at the line of scrimmage, and it's like, okay, well, what is that doing for us? In that case, no. And so I think it's, it's all about how you monitor it. You know what I mean? I tell my quarterbacks, like, I wish, you know, if I could, you know, each snap you take your drop or you do your RPO footwork, you do whatever it is, and I wish I could put, like, a, like a box around you. Like, stop play. Put a little box around you real quick, and then you can't go anywhere from there. Throw from there. That way you can't be that guy that's like the – and you're moving up 12 yards. You know what I mean? Like that's, uh, Yeah. That, that, that's what really bothers me. At the same time, like it's, it's football. They're having fun. Like they're doing something. You know what I mean? And that's where I think you can have these arguments. At the end of the day, uh, they could be out in the street. Exactly. So. Um, I think from, from our standpoint, you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's a tool. It's a vessel, Right. How can we be competitive, be building the chemistry, yep. and be getting better at what we're planning on doing August through December? 100%. If you're coming out here and being a completely different version of yourself, 
that's not going to translate, well, now you're wasting time. Yep. But big picture, teams together, chemistry is being built, and you're competing and having fun. We just had a conversation yesterday with our kids talking about, you know, the commandments of our program and what's mm. important. And, you know, one of our coaches asked our group, our unit group, hey, tell me what you think are the most important. Give me your top five of these 16. And, you know, then we also did it and we did it from the perspective of a coach. And I just looked at it and one of them was have fun. And I put that number one, hands down, yeah. because I think it's really easy for guys to, you know, especially in the off season, Hey, you got to work really hard. You got to do this. You got to, you know, we got to meet, you got to understand everything. And it's really easy for the game to become a job. And that's the big thing that I've heard, you know, even when I was in high school, transitioning and playing college ball, transitioning into coaching, those guys, when they first make that jump to the college level, it's man, it's a job now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was fortunate enough. I never really saw it that way. I saw it as more work but I saw it as more work to do something that's fun. Yeah, well, I think you also had, you know, influencers, your coaches, where you had pretty good coaches that 100%. You know, were all about having fun. and They never let that, you know, get left in the dust. 100%. And I think that that's, that's where the concrete and value of, of seven on seven can come to play because we're giving those kids an opportunity, A, like you said, to not be out running around stupid, right. but – competing and having fun and maintaining their love and their joy of the game. Um, and if it's with us and through our seven on seven, that's even better. Yep. But I still think that as long as you're maintaining those certain aspects, had a conversation with, you know, a pretty prominent private coach that he has a seven on seven organization. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of coach flight, but you know, that was one of our things that we really agreed upon is that we can have open communication. You coach a select seven on seven team. I coach at a high school. We, as long as we talk all day and you're not out there completely going against what I'm telling him, yeah. man, kids out there playing the game, staying out of trouble, competing. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So do you think we're, we're select seven on seven teams big in Tennessee Was seven on seven big in Tennessee? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, really? I mean, they're getting after it right now. Like select. I mean, they just had a few tournaments, Smoky Mountains. Um, yeah, it's they're they're getting after it. It's it's really big. It's really funny because seeing you know some of the select teams in the Metroplex um, this past weekend went all the way to Atlanta. Yep. To a play or something like that. Or? To play in a yeah. big tournament, and then there was like two or three big Atlanta teams that were down in Houston playing in a tournament. You know, so they're just passing each other in the air to go. You know, they're trying to go play against the best of the best, and they're doing it at the same time, and they're just passing each other on airplanes. So, well, I mean, it, it, it's, it's funny because, I mean, everybody knows, like, you know, whenever I was there um, at Lipscomb, we have like three or four uh, personal trainers, but they're also, you know, similar to like to Coach Fly. They, they have seven on seven teams, and, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Jeremy Holt or Riley Howard or whatever, and um, they have their own teams, and, you know, they, they know, you know, Coach Rowe, you know, out, out in, you know, Fast Houston, and, Shaw, Footwork King, like they know all about it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it, it's a it's a big deal, and it's one of those things for me where it's like you know you see coaches that are like, you know, not not about seven on seven, and well, it's not you know it's not it's not tackle, and it's not real. What what's the point? It's like well, uh, they could be getting worse, um, could be in the streets. Um, and at the end of the day, if they don't do it with your team, they're going to do it with a select team. So you, 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 either you <laughs> get know, you, on board you, you or get, get out of the way. Out. That's right, hundred um, percent. So, 
kind of the last one. I think this one's going to go off on, it could go three or four different directions, but right. we, we met in 2013 and you were already two years into your coaching student right. assistant coaching career. Yep. Um, and had, you know, college, all that experience cut short for, you know, medical reasons and whatnot, some injuries and, and everything. But from any point from high school, you know, comparing high school then to when you were playing to high school now, college when when you were playing to now and coaching to now. Pick one. Tell me how the game has changed. Good or bad. Doesn't have to be super critical. Could be the greatest change in the world, but how's it changed? I mean, I think it's a, it's a trickle effect that we've been seeing. I mean, it's you would hear a lot of NFL coaches talk about how, you know, they kind of miss college football. Because college football, even five years ago, they were playing because it was fun. You know, there, there were no payments happening, no nothing. And I, I totally get it. You know, I mean, to eat your own, go get yours. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean, if, if they're going to put your name on that jersey, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I want that money too. But, I mean, I, I get the other statement as far as it was fun, it was genuine. Because <clears throat> some people take advantage of that. And it's like, well, if you're not going to pay me, I'm not going to play. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of trickling down now, down to college. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just hoping it's not going, you know, college. Because now you're hearing those college coaches like, man, you know, I kind of miss high school football because it's a little bit more genuine there. It's starting to become a little bit more business-like here. Um, and it's scary to me. You know what I mean? Especially, you know, you can, you can almost tag it all the way back to the private school thing with when it comes to having to recruit. Tell the story. I know, I, I know it's like hanging on your – keep it as anonymous as possible, but tell the story. Yeah, I mean, so we had a select group there, um, kids that were – I think they were like – Sixth or seventh grade, sixth grade actually, um, and kid messed up his finger, and uh, I just happened to be there. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't there like observing or watching, right? Picking who I wanted, and so, um, see the kid. You know, I hurt his finger, or whatever. I'm like, oh, well, I can get him some ice, something like that. So, you know, we end up walking and we're talking. I'm, like, you know, what's going on? Um, you know, trying to have like a genuine conversation. You know, you know what position do you play? You know, why do you play football? You love it, and this and that, and. Um, well, you know, so what are your plans the next couple of years? You know, well, I'm going to go to you know blank school. Um, they already offered me this. But what can you guys offer me? And I was like fumbling my keys around trying to like get in the door, and he said that, and was like, "What? Like, dude, <laughs> you're in sixth grade, sixth grade, yeah. man. Like when I was your age at this point, I was still trying to get like the headache off of my my helmet, right? <laughs> off out of my head, because the helmet still had that huge pad right there in front. Like I just was playing because I love the game, like." I had no clue about like, well, they offered me sixty percent at this, you know, at this high school here. What can you offer me? No, I just love playing the game. I, I love getting, love getting hit. I mean, it's and so it's that's scary to me because now if you look at it from a recruiting standpoint, if I'm recruiting a kid that's been, you know, offered per se, whatever. I mean, it's financial aid, but offered um, as a sixth grader or whatever, recruited from a sixth grader, fifth grader. Uh, it's pretty hard unless that kid's got some, you know, disciplined parents that can, you know instill the humbleness and say, hey, no, 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 do not get that big head. Right. You're playing because you love the game, um, you know, not because of what it brings to you. For sure. Yeah, it's, um, man, I agree. It's, it's, it creates, a, it, may, it scares me yep. uh, because I think kids get calloused of, of that love of the game because they see, you know, their, their idols, their favorite players, are are so readily available through social media they can see how they're handling contract negotiations how they're handling college recruiting yep. right and 
we did the same thing. You know, the kids haven't changed. You know, we all we did was emulate our favorite players when we were growing up, but it was, you know, oh, well, you know, Michael Irvin used to make this catch like this in the Super Bowl. So oh, run out there, countdown clock, right? Or the Jordan like crossover, three, two, you know, and shoot. Yeah. So we emulated them in that way. And kids now are just emulating what they can see, Correct. you know, on a day to day basis. Um, and it is, man, it's weird. Like, well, they're, they're exposed to so much more. Um, and what, what's scary about that is they see so much more. And so, I, I mean, I'll, I'll speak from the other side of it and be devil's advocate. Because they can see so much more, they can see how some of these greedy owners or whatever, how they operate from an early age. And so it's like, well, so it's cool for, for them to do that, but not for me to want to get mine. I, yes. So I, I, I can totally see both. And, and, and you know, again, no right or no wrong, but it's, it's sad because regardless, it's taken, you know, the, the love of the game out of it. And it's more about money and business and, well, what can bring in the fans and this and that. And it's, it's sad. It, it is. And it's like, so, you know, here you, you get to see it before we sat down. Uh, we are very blessed. We have a, a couple of years ago, we got a new stadium upgrade. Mm -hmm. uh, the community loves our football here and, and we love them for it. Yep. Um, but it's weird having, you know, after about six games into the, the new stadium, had a conversation with a, a coach on staff and it's like, there's, you know, there's these little weird nuances we miss about being downtown you know, we have a track around our field now, which we didn't downtown. The yep. stands were, you know, there people were five feet from you when you're standing on the sideline calling plays, talking to kids. Um, and it created that, you know, that really small town, but like intense atmosphere. Yep. Um, and we lose a little bit of that here. Now we love what we have and we're very appreciative. Um, but a lot of people connect that to the changing times and, you know, the growing community and the changing expectations. Right. Um, but, you know, that part connects back to, you know, a kid's approach to the game of high school connects back to what we talked about with the facilities and, yep. you know, the changing expectations. Whose fault is it? It doesn't matter. Yep. The fact of the matter is, I think it just puts an emphasis on coaches to be more conscious and put forth a bigger effort in making sure the kids are reminded of why they do it, reinstilling you know, that love for them as athletes and them loving the game, Absolutely. you know, yeah. and everybody just being a little bit more cognizant of the purpose, you know, you see all the time based off of who you follow coaches, associations, things of that nature. We don't do this for wins and losses. We don't do this for kids to get 37 offers. We do it to turn young boys into young men mm -hmm. who are productive members of society um, our head coaches said it, you know, you've heard a couple of, um, of college head coaches saying, don't ask me how good we are now. Ask me in 15 years yeah. and where the captains and the seniors of this team are and the, their life. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's all it is. Nothing's, you know, the game's changed schematically and this, that, and the other, and the ball may be shaped differently. Like you were saying with, you know, the ones we use, cause that's the ones our quarterbacks like, but I mean, uh, uh, I think, yeah. I, if anything, it's just reminding you that, you know, yeah, there's a couple more distractions, but as long as you keep your eye on the prize, you know, the race is basically going to be run the same and the end result shouldn't change. The goal shouldn't change. Yeah, I, um, a lot of times I'll ask a lot of my athletes um, like a basic question. 
and it's hilarious uh, and sometimes kind of scary as far as, you know, their answer once I stop them. So I'll always ask them, hey, real quick, hey, why do you play football? Hey, don't give me, you know, the, the, the quick, because uh, I love it. Uh, think about it real quick. There hasn't, there hasn't been very many that just kind of pop something else off. They were like, like explain to me, like, the love of the game. Like, think back to third, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, whatever. But explain to me, like, why do you play football? And, like, not a lot of people think about that. Why do you coach? And, like, don't give me the cliche answer. Not saying that that's wrong, but, like, actually think about it. And I think, I think you kind of, like, end up, when you do that, kind of puts you, like, back in perspective and realize, like, man, I'm kind of just been, you know, passing by all the things and kind of just being business and, and doing this and doing that. And I need to, like, be grateful for what I'm doing right now. Did you ask that question to kids before you went to Nashville? Um, or do you think being in the private school I world? Did. I did. You now, did? Okay. I, yeah, I did. I did, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think I started doing that at Taylor, actually. Um, so what? Why? Why do you coach? Why do you love the game? Don't give the cliche answer. No, I know. I know. It's it's for me being able to. I I know the coaches that I had, and, I, and I, this is probably a lot of people's story, but I know the coaches I had, the good ones, you know, the ones that I wish would have paid more attention to me or whatever it may be, but the impact that they had, um, and I know the stories that I, like, you know, me and my friends talk about today. It wasn't like, man, remember that time that we, we took that test in geometry? Like, that was <laughs> like, no, it was like we, we remember the practices and all that type of stuff. And so it's like it's a lasting impact. And so, you know, from my experiences, it's like you have this ability every single day. And for me, it's like a challenge. Like, you have to have a switch. And that's what I preach to my quarterbacks. Like, I'm not going to see her knack. Like, like, there's days where I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be that coach. It's like, yep, I'm, I'm here all, and I'm ready to go. Like, no, there's days where I'm tired. Uh, I really don't want to be here. I'd rather be in bed uh, with my wife, right, with our two dogs, watching TV, bed reclined up. I'd rather be doing that. But if I do that and I show you guys that, I am now screwing you guys over. I'm doing you a disservice. We just lost a day. And so I have to have the ability to flip that switch. You call it fake it till you make it, whatever. But it, for me, it's if you flip that switch, we're rolling, we're going, because I can't screw them over. And I would hope they have enough respect for me to flip that switch on when it's like, man, I had a bad day. Girlfriend may have cheated on me, not sure. Just saw her in the hallway, another locker, but dude, I don't know. But the good ones can flip that switch, be mature enough to kind of take that over and say, you know what? I can't lose a day. That's that David Goggins. You know, he always talks about the most powerful thing in the world is the human mind, right? Yeah. And I think the switch, the switch is just, the decision your mind makes to be more powerful than the emotion, the negative emotion that could be distracting you. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, and for, and for us too, I mean, go back to your question as far as, what, you know, why do I coach? I mean, it's, it's obviously, love it. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's the best game in the world, but the ability to impact the kids. I mean, it's like, we had a kid today that, I'm not going to say his name, I'm not going to say what he did, but um, if he was to have done what he did today outside of, um, a school, it, it wouldn't have been good at all. I mean, he would have been with the law, um, and it would have been a bad deal for him. And, and I think and I hope that, you know, we, we got a hold of him quick enough, sat him down, talked to him about the switch, um, you know, because he, he didn't have that household. He didn't have a mom or dad that's telling him what to do. And a lot of these kids are like that, and they need us. Um, and so even though it's Generally, it's the ones that act like they don't want us at all, or the ones that need us the most. And so, I hope that today's lesson for him 
um, changes life. You know, and so many of those kids need for us as coaches to realize that, that at the end of the day, um, you being able to sit that kid down and say, hey, man, are you good? I got you. Instead of like, hey, man, you went four steps. It's supposed to be five. God, terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, for me, you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. For me, the reason why is the opportunities. So big picture, sit down, think about like, what has football done for me? Those selfish moments where you're like, oh, I give so much. What do I get in return? I can't even begin to describe what my life would be without the game because it's been so entrenched in so many different major chapters, major moments, defining moments, right? Lowest of lows, highest of highs. You know, you don't meet people that are in your life forever, certain people, right? That's not to say you won't somewhere else, but you don't meet those people and you don't get that impact. You know, the opportunity, everybody talks about the opportunity. That's not just the opportunity, oh, to go to college, to get money. It's not just about that. You know, it's about a kid that doesn't have 30, 40 friends walking around the halls. Mm -hmm. But on senior night, you know, the whole team goes crazy because yeah. he went in and played four plays. Absolutely. Right? He, that feeling, that's the opportunity that he got. Yep. It's some kid from the inner city, Houston, that gets to travel out of state for the first time and see being a state during the fall, beginning of winter, see the changing, the literal changing of the leaves and the emotional impact it has on him to not be staring at, you know, third ward. Dude. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. and then on top of that, you, you work your way up the ladder. Yeah. It's the opportunity to change your life monetarily. Mm -hmm. Right. But you're changing your life incrementally and those moments compound to present the opportunity for the big, you know, payout, but they don't just exist for the guys that get to go play in college or the guys that get to go play in the league. Right. They exist in a million different forms for guys who are just part of a high school program and they may, yeah. they may never play and they're okay with it because of the experience and the opportunities it's presented for them socially, emotionally, you know, physically. Yeah. You know, talking to a kid who, within our program, new to the program, you know, we we try and feed our kids every chance the UIL gives us, right? Yep. You know, have time with them, build relationships with them. You know, that was one of the first things he said. He said, Coach, I've never, I've never eaten this much, you know? And an experience like that can change a kid's life. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, I mean, we have these stories probably for days, 100%. Um, the last one I'll say in this regard is so we, we had a kid come at Lipscomb, um, I mean, Coach Dilfer's first year here from North Carolina, dad's past year, uh, six, 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 seven, probably maybe 280, maybe three bills. Um, big boy. And I remember whenever, you know, mom and dad, they came and they're sitting in our office and, and you know, Will's sitting right there. And Big Will literally, he may have said two words. And we were in there for like an hour. Uh, may have said two words. Um, they never played football before. I think the only two words he, you know, he really ever said was a small conversation. He's like, oh, I, I like football. Well, you know, okay, well, do you want to play football here? Blah, blah, blah. Because his parents are trying to get him, like, they felt bad because, you know, they moved and uh, he's going to be a senior. Uh, I think actually I'm a junior, but going to be a junior and he slept his friends and I felt bad for him, wanted to be a part of something. And uh, I remember they walked out and I was like, Coach, there's no way. Two weeks. I mean, it's, we're going to have to be on that kid all day long to make sure that he feels, you know, a part of something. Um, 
but didn't say like hardly anything, wouldn't speak. Literally, fast forward, um, and maybe week four or five, we had a, you know we had a big win of the year this past year, senior, and um, walk into the locker room and everybody's celebrating. And Big Will is without a shirt with glow sticks in his hands and a whistle <laughs> in his mouth, and this is the life of the party, and is just screaming, and everybody's like, just Will, Will, Will. And like for me, I was like, man, that like that's why I coach. Hundred yeah. percent. 